0: toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. So we, you, you and I, are bombarded by words every day. We're, we're bombarded by written words, we're bombarded by spoken words. Um, during the Christmas season, I did something that I don't normally do, which is nor- normally when I'm in my car, I'm listening to music on my phone or whatever, and there's no ads. And during the Christmas season, I just, I like to stay connected to the area here. So I listen to Philadelphia's Christmas Station, you know, and there are ads. I, I forgot that there are ads on, on the radio. And on Friday afternoon, there are a lot of ads. And I think they played one song. I would be going home from, from work, and I think they played one song and then like 20 minutes of of ads, and I would be—I would listen. I'd be like, "Okay, this must be the last one," and then they're going to play another song. And it would—lo and behold, there was another one. So finally, I would get to the point where I'm just—I'm shutting it off. Like I would turn it off, I would tune it out, and that's the—that can be a tendency. That's a decision that we often make because we are so bombarded by words. It's just to turn it off, and we need to be careful about what we turn off and tune out. I have learned. Because there are times where, I'm sure this has never happened to you, but there are times where my wife will ask me to pick up something from the grocery store and she wants a particular brand and a particular size. And I, I, she's like talking and telling me these things and I, I know I need to remember it. And then I get to the store and I'm like, what was that? What, what, what am I supposed to be getting? And then I sheepishly have to text her or call her and be like, like what was that again? And she's very gracious and very very patient with me, Uh, yeah, most of the time. And so anyway, we need to be very careful about that. And there's lots, there's many times when things that are much more important than grocery list items that we're listening to people that we love, and we're sometimes we can tune out. We need to be very cautious about that. And so if we have that danger with the people in our lives, the people that we love and are important to us, there's an potentially even a greater danger of tuning out God's words to us. Because God's words, they, they don't, they're, they're not very loud sometimes. They're not very pushy. Um, not that our loved ones are pushy necessarily, but they just, you know, they're there. They're, they're right there tangible in front of us. And God is quiet and it's very easy sometimes for his words to get drowned out or for us to tune them out. There's a danger of that, and if we fail to tune in to God's words, then we we miss the wisdom that he has to offer. We miss the comfort that he wants to bring to us. We miss conviction that sometimes he needs to bring to us to redirect us. We, We miss the grounding of God's eternal truth in a world where truth is constantly shifting in all kinds of different directions. All of those things are available and much more if we will listen. And so we're gonna talk about that this morning. If you would take a Bible and turn with me to Romans chapter one. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one on the seat close to you. And Romans chapter one is on page 1039. We're beginning a new series today called Immersed in Grace. And we're gonna be studying straight through this letter to the Romans. It's gonna take us through most of of this year. And I've had a couple of people ask me as we've announced this, are are we gonna be studying verse by verse? And so I'll answer that question this way. We're not studying a verse at a time. If we did that, we would not be doing the greater part of this year, but we would be finishing probably at the end of the decade, okay? So we're not doing a verse at a time, but we're gonna study a paragraph at a time, and we will, I'm sure, read every verse, and we will touch on pretty much every verse in Romans as we go through, but we're, we're looking for the, the themes that are so powerful that have changed so many lives, and I am praying over this study that God is gonna disciple each of us, grow us who have a relationship with him and those who don't yet have a relationship with him that he will open our eyes to see the need for that and bring us into his family. Today, we're going to start in Romans with the greeting of of this letter. Ancient letters from Paul's time, had they, they carried kind of a standard opening, and it would look something like this. We'll put this on the screen. This is what a typical opening to a letter looked like. Paul to friends in Rome, greetings. So you would have the author first. That's the opposite of the way we do it today. We, we sign our name at the end. But they they would put their name right up front. This is who it's coming from. This is who it's going to. And then they would, they would pretty much always use the Greek word greetings. So this is what a typical letter would look like in Paul's day. The letter that we have to Romans looks uh, it, it follows that same outline and boilerplate, but it looks a lot different than that. It is a lot longer than that, for, for one thing, and it introduces Paul's longest letter. So many of you know Paul, Paul wrote many of the letters of the New Testament, Romans is the longest. Romans is over 7,000 words, whereas the average for Paul's letters is about 1,300 words. So this is a whole lot longer than than most of them. That's why it's gonna take us a while to work through it. But today we're looking at the greeting. I'm gonna leave this typical greeting on the screen as we read his greeting, because I want you to kind of see where it's similar and where it is Different, And as I, as I read this, bear in mind, as we launch into this, what, you're, what we're gonna look at this morning, what we're gonna read is one sentence, okay? It's one very long sentence. So, so this is where Paul sometimes, he, he, he works us a little bit. I mean, we're, we're used to short, snippy sentences in our day. He's gonna make us dig a little bit here, all right? So with that in mind, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, uh, to his letter, what's similar? You have the writer, you have the author, you have the recipient, and you you have greetings. But what's different? Well, it's, it's much longer. What else is different? There's a whole lot here about God, and specifically Christ. I mean, he starts in the very first sentence as he identifies himself, who is the author, and he's talking about how His identity is connected to God and to Christ. In verse one, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. So this is not just Paul a person. This is him saying, I am speaking on behalf of God. He's calling himself a a servant, which if you look, and we don't, There's there's so much that we can dig into that we're not gonna be able to because we don't have time, but we'll dig into this one for just a moment here this morning. Many of you have a footnote on that word servant and your footnote will say, it's actually the Greek word for slave. We do not translate, we rarely translate that word into English as slave because we we Americans have a picture of what slavery is that's not consistent with what was happening in the first century. So that's why it's not translated that way, but it is the word slave. And what is true of slavery in the first century is that someone did not have their freedom. They they were considered the property of someone else. They were usually not treated as poorly as slaves were in our American history, but they were still the property of someone else. And they didn't have the freedom to come and go as they wanted and to map out their, their own life. Paul here is voluntarily saying, I am a slave of Christ Jesus. In the Roman mind, it was inconceivable that you would identify yourself as a slave. Nobody wanted to be in that class of people, and yet Paul here is voluntarily saying, I'm a slave of Christ My identity is rooted in Christ and I'm a slave of him and i'm i'm happy about that because in the hebrew mind which paul is both a roman citizen and a hebrew so he crosses these lines really beautifully to speak from the hebrew perspective and his culture and his background but he's also speaking to the culture in which he lives in the roman empire so he 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 brings the Roman perspective, I mean, I'm sorry, the Hebrew perspective that says that being a servant of God, being a slavery of God, slave of God is a privilege. Moses was called a servant of God. That was a privilege for him. Elijah was a servant of God. These are people who were named as servants of God. David was a servant of God. That was a privilege for them. So Paul sees this not as a Roman mind would see it, but, but as a privilege. And he says that he has set apart, here in verse one, for the gospel. That is, that is his message. That is what he is going to explain and unpack in these 16 chapters of, of this letter. It is, gospel means good news. And it is the gospel, he says, of God. So Paul wants to be very clear from the very beginning here that his identity is all tied up in God and his message is from God. Paul, Paul wants to be clear. This is not just me, Paul, talking to you. The source of his message is God. The source is, is God. These are not, what, you're, what we are going to read and study are not just run-of-the-mill words like you and I get bombarded with every day. These are the words of God carrying the authority of God. And so we should sit up and pay more close attention to them than we often pay to the words that we are bombarded with day after day, both written and verbally. You may be here this morning and you may not totally buy into that. You you may not buy into the fact that this letter of Romans are the words of God, or that anything in the Bible is the words of God. Maybe you're exploring that and that's why you're here, that's why you're joining us online. Maybe you think that Paul was deluded about that and he had you know, some kind of complex and he thought he was speaking for God. Or maybe he was just name dropping. I mean, God would be the ultimate name drop, right? Yeah, God told me this to tell you. So maybe he thought that. Here, here's what I would ask you. If that's where you're, you're at this morning, if you don't fully accept that these are God's words, then I would just ask you for the sake of, hey, you're, you're here, you're listening. I guess you guys online can, can turn it off. But you know, you're you're here, you're listening. So let's just agree that Paul believed what he was saying. And we'll see that over and over again. Paul believes that what he's saying is not his own words, but they're, it's, it's a message from, from God. And he goes on to substantiate that in verse two. He says, he's set apart for the gospel of God, which God promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures. So Paul is pointing back to the Hebrew scriptures, what we would call the, the Old Testament, which he's gonna quote a lot throughout this letter to say, I'm not just making this up. What I'm sharing with you is based on a foundation of scriptures that these people receiving this letter would have respected. So the the people who made up the church in Rome, uh, most of them probably would have been non-Jewish people. So Gentile background people who came to faith in Christ. Um, But what we do know is that there was a strong Jewish community in Rome that predated Christ. So hundreds of years before Jesus was born, there was a strong Jewish community. So there were a lot of people there in Rome who were grounded in the Hebrew scriptures, who knew the prophecies of a Messiah who would come. And so Paul is saying those prophecies that you've heard about, I'm, I'm gonna tell you how they have been fulfilled in the person of Christ. And that's what he goes on to, to talk about here in verses three and four. the, the prophecies con- were concerning God's son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. We, earlier, we we read together the Apostles' Creed. These two verses here, three and four, some scholars consider that this was one of the earliest, earliest creeds that people would have memorized to understand who Jesus was because it captures both his humanity and his deity. The fact that he was fully man. And fully God. Verse 3 talks about him being fully man. His son, Jesus the Son, who was descended from David according to the flesh. But verse 4, he was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So Jesus came in humility according to the flesh. That's what we call the incarnation. We just celebrated that and thought a lot about that, thought deeply about that during the month of December. That's the incarnation, Jesus, the Son of God in humility. See, please understand that Jesus did not become the Son of God when he was born in Bethlehem. His his, uh, existence didn't start, his sonship did not start there. God exists eternally as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So Jesus existed as God the son in humility as a human being, but then Paul says in verse four, he was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. So as we sang this morning so many songs about Jesus being raised from the dead, at that point he is raised no longer to be in humility and vulnerability. Now he is fully in power And so this is just the beginning of a snapshot of the gospel that Paul is going to explain. Verses five and six. So through Jesus Christ our Lord, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. This is a snapshot of of the gospel here. Notice in verse five. Paul says, I have grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. What is the obedience of faith? Well, there is an obedience of effort and duty that we engage in sometimes. We engage in the obedience of I'm trying to measure up. (laughs) I'm trying to measure up to what God wants from me, what somebody else wants from me, what I want from me, and that that obedience is very exhausting and very frustrating. It is exhausting because God has a standard, as as we see if we spend any time at all in, in his words, he has a standard that we can never measure up to. And so if we try to be obedient and try really hard to measure up to his expectations of us, we will just be frustrated over and over and over again. I can't even measure up to my own expectations of me, let alone a sovereign deity of the universe who is perfect in holiness. So the obedience of effort and duty is is frustrating. It's exhausting. Paul tells us about a different kind of obedience. Verse five, he talks about the obedience of faith. That's an obedience that we do because we have a faith in Christ. The obedience comes after the faith. The obedience comes as a result of having measured up to God's expectation, not trying to measure up to his expectation. And Paul's gonna unpack this in great detail over the coming chapters. But it is the hope that you and I have to live a life that is based on freedom instead of based on on some kind of duty and even slavery of trying to achieve something that we are humanly incapable of achieving. All right, that's the gospel. Let me take a breath, okay. Okay. Remember our typical greeting. What's our typical greeting? Paul to friends in Rome, greetings. Romans one is not your typical greeting because it doesn't have the typical source and it's not about the typical subject. The source is God, the subject is Jesus. Paul wants to be clear about that in the intro. This letter is not about me, the author, Paul. And it's not about you, Romans, the recipients, or anybody else who's gonna read it any other day. That the, the subject is all about Christ. This letter will center on Christ as this greeting centers on Christ. He is mentioned eight times in these seven verses. And this is kind of fun. If you look at the paragraph in front of you, in my Bible, it's 19 lines. If I count to the middle of that sentence, Right smack in the middle is verse four, the phrase, Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's the center of this sentence. He is the center of this whole book. Paul finally does get to the recipients, okay, of the letter in verse seven. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's writing to Rome. He's writing to believers in Rome. Rome was the capital of the empire, probably one of the large, it was definitely one of the largest, if not the largest city in the the empire. Paul himself is writing from Corinth, and so he has finished his first missionary journey. He's been traveling all over Asia. He's been planting churches. He's been seeing people come to faith in Christ. He's been helping churches get planted. Now he's finished his first journey. He's. He's spending the winter in Corinth. He's gonna be starting a second journey, but while he's in Corinth there, he's writing to these believers in Rome that he has never met. He did not, he hasn't been to Rome yet. Even though he's a Roman citizen, he's never been there. He's never, he didn't plant the churches there. We'll talk another week about how the, how the church ended up there in, in Rome. But um, Paul knows, he's, he's in Corinth, he's going to be heading to Jerusalem. He's gonna be making a trip to Jerusalem. And Paul knows that he's not super popular with Jewish people because he has embraced, he's fully embraced following Jesus Christ. And he knows that there are people still in Jerusalem who put Jesus to death. And so he's not sure what's waiting for him in Jerusalem. This letter probably didn't get sent just to Rome. It probably got circulated to other churches as well because this letter is about it is his most comprehensive explanation of the most important topic that has ever been written about. And that is how we can be right with God. That is how you and I can have a relationship with a holy, perfect God, even in our unholiness and our imperfection, how Jesus made a way for that to happen. There is no more important topic. And so, Paul wanted to be sure that whatever happens to me in Jerusalem, if I don't make it out of there, that this message gets to to people out there and it's gotten to us today as a result. Oh my, there's so much more uh, to say about this. I'm gonna have to cut some stuff here this morning. All right, finally at the very end, he gets to the greeting. the very last, uh, it's not the last sentence, it's the last phrase, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember in the typical greeting, he just, it just ends with greetings. So the Greek word there is kyrene. The, word, the Greek word for grace is charis. So they're similar. And so Paul's giving a nod to the, the, the Greek world, but he's also calling up his Hebrew background again because he he ends uncharacteristically with this word peace, okay, grace. Grace is close to greetings, but peace is something completely different. Peace would have conjured up in these people's minds the word shalom. We talked about that a lot uh, in, I believe, Christmas Eve. Jeremy talked with us about that. Shalom meaning for, for peace, not just the absence of conflict, but the presence of wholeness, the way God intended for us to experience his creation. That's what Paul, that's the blessing that he is giving to people as he begins here, grace to you and peace, and he doesn't want us to forget who it's coming from. It's not coming from him, it's coming from who? God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The source is God, and the subject is Jesus. That's true not just of this paragraph, or this sentence, I keep calling it a paragraph, it's just one sentence. It's true not just of this letter. It's true of all of scripture. The source is God and the subject is Jesus. Even the Hebrew scriptures that were written thousands of years before Jesus were pointing forward to Jesus. There are prophecies about him, there are foreshadowings of him. It's all pointing to the center of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it, the source is God. Peter will say this in his second letter. He said, no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And when he uses the word prophecy here, he's not just talking about prophecies that foretell the future. He's talking about these people who have written down these scriptures who are speaking for God. They weren't produced by these people. Out of their own minds, they were carried along by God. So out of all the words that you and I are bombarded with day after day, hour after hour, you and I must, we we do well to prioritize these words over and above whatever else you encounter. So I wanna tell you some ways that we wanna help you do that, to immerse yourselves in, in God's word during this study in the book of Romans, let me let me introduce you to a couple of opportunities here. We have um, some journals that are available. This is uh, this. Actually, ha- it's very simple. It just has the text of Romans uh, from the English Standard Version on one side, and then it has a blank page on the other, just for you to journal things that you're learning and thinking about as you study through this. We have a few copies of this available as you leave today. To the right, there's a table out there. We're going to have more copies of that. This was all we could get for this week, but uh, we'll have more available next Sunday. And you can uh, you can order them online if you go to our hub. We have a Romans hub on. Line now, So you can go to gracepointpa.org slash and we have a number of resources available there. Um, so let me tell you about some of those. Many of you probably don't know this, but I produce every week um, a set of questions, discussion questions for groups to use. Some groups use that to, for their discussion time when they meet together. We're gonna make those questions available to everybody. Um, and they'll probably be posted on Sunday or Monday uh, on this page. And so that's something you can use personally for your own study, Uh, you can use it with somebody else, with your family, Um, again, some of our groups, not all of our groups are doing a Roman study, but some of our groups will actually be discussing this as a group, if you'd like to be connected to one of those groups to talk about Romans, then let us know and we'll help you uh, to do that. Uh, what else is on this page? Uh, there are some commentaries on there. Some of those are commentaries that I'm using as I, as I study through. If you wanna really get into it and, and dig uh, yourself into more of the details, uh, you can. And oh, and the other big, big thing that's available is a link on this page to an online community that we wanna just foster during during this study. So there's a Facebook community, a closed Facebook group that you'll have to ask to join, and that's gonna be a place where every weekday we post a thought for you to respond to or a prayer uh, that's based on the the teaching that we had the the week before, Um, other resources for you to consider. So if you'd like to engage in that community, I know not all of you have a Facebook account. You can create a Facebook account just for this purpose. You don't have to use it for anything else and you don't have to open up your thing for other people to see and all that jibber-jabber and stuff that goes on. Some of you like to jibber-jabber, that's fine. But anyway, so that is available uh, online as well and uh, we're hoping just to really, foster some good discussion online that, that generates out of this Romans study as well. Whatever you do, however you engage, I, I pray, my, my prayer is that you don't, that, that this is not all you, the only way that you engage in God's word, whether it's Romans or, or anything else that, I mean, if you come on Sunday, if you tune us in online, that's great, and I'm glad you're doing that. Don't stop doing that. But out of all the words that you and I are bombarded with every day, we've gotta have more than that. If his word is going to take more root in our lives than all those other words that we're hearing. So I hope that you will carve out time, carve out some of these engagement opportunities so that you can let your word, his words sink into your heart and transform you. We're gonna discover that later in Romans, how we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Wouldn't it be great for 2023 to be a year of transformation for us as we are conformed more to be like him? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your words to us. Thank you that they are not like the everyday words we hear, which uh, oftentimes just perpetuate the problems in our world and sometimes those words create the problems in our world. Your words bring peace, they bring wisdom, they bring solutions to us. We desperately need those things in our very broken world. So Lord, help us to engage, help us to hear from you freshly as we enter into this Romans study. We thank you for your power and your sovereignty in protecting these words over thousands of years and in such a way that we can be confident that these are actually the words that, that Paul wrote. It's really astounding. and and such a blessing, and these words, especially because these words bring us freedom. Lord, we are so grateful for your grace and your kindness. May we be immersed in it, in Jesus' name, amen.